Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the podcast, we welcome Nicholas Serrano from Scarab Cycles in Colombia. I met Nicholas at the Envy Builder Roundup earlier this year and was super impressed with the bike they brought to the Roundup, the paint job, and even more impressed once I learned the story behind Scarab Cycles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Envy Composites. Envy has been a huge supporter of the gravel industry, producing products since the inception of this type of riding. You can look at their forks, their handlebars, their seat posts, and of course, their line of gravel wheel sets. Make sure to follow Envy across all social media channels and check out Envy.com for a dealer locator. I know it's always great to go into your local bike retailer and get your hands on these products and even better yet, maybe getting out on a test ride on some of these components. Before we jump in, I want to send a huge shout out to all the new members from buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride. It means a ton to me that you've selected to support me with your dollars. Memberships start at $5 a month. So big thanks to John Rankin, to Nicholas Marzano, High Plains Drifter, Mark Est, just a few of the most recent members to the buymeacoffee.com program. And further thank you to the one-time contributors. With that said, let's dive right in to my interview. Hi, it's Nicholas from Scarab Cycles from Colombia. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for inviting us. And we're pretty happy to be here with you. And I'm pretty excited to talk about that bike I just saw downstairs here at the NV Roundup. It's totally beautiful. But before we get into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and what led to the formation of the company and a little bit about the company. Yeah, of course. So Scarp Cycles started back in the day six uh, years ago. Our founder, Santiago Toro, who started the company with a local frame builder. It used to have another name before. And then it migrated to what nowadays is Scarp Cycles. In, as a name, it started in 2018 with the name Scarp Cycles, but we've been building bikes since 2016, more or less. And tell us about where the company is located. So our company is based in, uh, in the outskirts of Medellin. It's uh, in El Retiro, Antioquia. It's uh, more or less 30 minutes from Medellin, which is the second biggest city in Colombia. And does Colombia have a large bike building scene? Not a bike building scene, but it's home of the world known Escarabajos, which is basically the, we export world-class cyclists. So we've been, there's not a strong bike building scene. There's a couple of uh, one, two or three frame builders in, in the country, but mostly what we have in our country is cyclists. There's a strong love for the sport. The bicycle itself, it's a very strong object or thing for the Colombian culture. So it's not only a way of transportation, it's, a, it's not only a sport, it's just a way of life, a way of being. And it's an element, the bicycle, that connects us all as Colombians. You can go to a road and meet, you can be with a, with a farm guy, a campesino, which he's just training in, in his Sunday ride, and you can actually be riding with a pro. So these two guys are going up the same mountain, and they're just like shredding their ass off uh, at a very high speed. Or you just can have on weekdays a kid going from his very small town moving to another small town to go to school. So basically the bicycle is a very strong element in the Colombian culture. That's awesome to hear. Football and soccer, obviously Mm. big sports as well. How would you rank cycling? I mean, obviously like with Naira Quintana going back five, six years and and all the emerging Colombian superstars today, was was that sort of the generation where cycling really took hold in the culture, or did it does it date back further than that? It comes very it comes back way that with a loads like when we started having a world class cyclist going to to 
to big races in, in Europe, winning the Vuelta España, for example, that's when we started like getting a name of uh, cycling. And that's when they started starting calling us Escarabajos, this climbing little bog that goes up and up a hill without any problem. He just is very good for climbing. So it, go, it goes back to the 80s, 90s, when everything started, 70s, 80s, and 90s. But there's been a new hype since Nairo Quintana, as you mentioned it, since 2005, 8. But back before from that, it was we had another hype with, uh, for example, cyclists like Santiago Otero, which was, which was an hour, he, he was the Olympic champion uh, for time trail, individual time trail. Yeah. And then he won as well the polka dot jersey and the Tour de France. So there's a lot of history behind cycling. But nowadays, I believe it's, as you asked at the beginning of the question, if it, it was soccer or cycling, I, I bet we're having a very good and strong hype around cycling, not only because of the results, but the pandemic has like moved people towards this sport. So nowadays, everyone in Colombia has a bicycle and it's riding around. Maybe four or five years ago, it was just like a couple of hundreds of people. Now it's thousands. The streets are packed with cyclists in all of the levels. Like you see very good cyclists, like pro class cyclists and amateur cyclists. And like everyone's riding a bicycle from kids 10 years old to like people 60, 70, 80 years old. Yeah, it's amazing. Sharing the road. It's amazing. It's crazy. And we also have another very good thing is that we, Colombia, it's divided by three mountain ranges. So there's mountains everywhere. So there's 86 kilometer climbs, all paved, which is called Alto de Letras. There's as well uh, 100 kilometer gravel uphill rides, which is called, for example, El Crucero. So you go from almost zero meters above sea level to 4,200 meters above sea level. That's 12,000 feet Incredible. of elevation just in yeah. one ride. So there's many aspects, uh, a little bit of history, a little bit of good results with Nairo Quintana, Egan Bernal, and all those cyclists doing very good in the cycling scene. And of course, the topography of a country and the culture, which has very deeply embedded the bicycle in its culture. So tell me a little bit more about the brand and when the brand came together, what type of bikes were you intending to make? What types of materials were you using at the mm -hmm. time? Yeah, so we've always used, we've always been fan or we've always been very happy with the results we can have with uh, steel bikes. So we've always been using steel. We used to, we've always been using, for example, a Columbus steel, which is what we still use. Nowadays, we're mixing a little bit, doing some blends, for example, Columbus and Kaisei, or Columbus and Dedakai, which is an Italian manufacturer of, of steel as well. And when it started, we, our first bikes were mainly meant to stay on tarmac. But given the conditions of the country where 90% of our roads are secondary roads, that means it's a gravel country. So it's basically a gravel paradise where we used to ride our road bikes in gravel conditions. Taking into account that they were very good steel frames, there wasn't a problem with that. But then we started diving into the gravel section and then our first model was born maybe three and a half years, four years ago. It was called Murillo. Uh, Murillo is a town that's located in, in, a, in one of the, in the central mountain range, which, which is called the... So it's, it lays almost 4,000 meters above sea level. So it's a town that you can only get, get there by... So that was our first model. And then it evolved to where this town is located, which is a Paramo. Paramo is an ecosystem that uh, lies between 3,000 meters, 3,200 meters above sea level to 4,200 meters above sea level. And that's basically the source of all of our water. Our hydric sources come from the Paramos. So it's a very fragile yet unique ecosystem. You can only get there by secondary roads or gravel roads. So that's where our bike came from. It comes uh, more, it comes out of function and then function follows form. 
which is why we create a little bit of big, bigger tire clearance, a uh, little bit more responsive, wheelbase a little bit longer to have uh, more fun when you're going down. So then we had to do a little bit of twitches in the aspects uh, of the frame. And then was when the Paramo was born, which is our actual gravel bike. So the model name for the bike that I'll show in a picture and link to in the show notes, mm -hmm. which model is that? So that's the Apuna, which is, as Santi likes to call it, it's a road bike with a trek shoes, trekking shoes. So it's a road-specific bike. Well, not, not, not a road-specific bike. It's an all-road bike, but it has the reactiveness, the stiffness, the responsiveness of a road bike. But it has tires. It can fit tires from 32 to 38 millimeters. So it's very good if you're running on tarmac, the tarmac ends, and then you want to go around for trails or uh, hard pack gravel. You're going to have, for example, this morning we did some of the trails with the guys in that bike, and it was perfect. Well, not the perfect bike for that conditions, but we did it and it was fun. So that we have three models at the moment, which are our road bike, which is called Letras. It's uh, named after the longest climb in Colombia, longest paved climb in Colombia, which is 86 kilometers. That's a road bike, a proper road bike, stiff, fun, reactive. Uh, there's disc and rim brake model. And then comes the in-betweener, which is the all-road. It's a mix between road bike and gravel bike. So it's this in-betweener that has uh, tire clearance for, from 32 to 38 millimeters. It's called Apuna, which uh, it's, it means road in Spanish, sendero or trocha in, a, in an indigenous tongue, in an indigenous language. So that's where Apuna comes from. And then comes the Paramo, which is a proper gravel bike, meant for like proper bike packing, shredding, killing it in the descents, going uphill, everything you want. That's uh, the indestructible bike. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the tire clearance on that particular bike. Perfect, yeah. So that one, since all our bikes are custom made, it depends on what, what the client needs. Uh, it can be optimized either for 700C, 700 by 48, or it can be optimized for 650B, 650B by 50 millimeters. And depending on, in some cases we've run bigger, it depends on what the client wants. So there's come, there comes some people with the specific requirements. Yeah, I want this. I'm going to fit 650Bs by 55. We can manage to it. Or most of them, like standard, it's six, what we recommend is 650 by 48. If they do go to those larger sizes, mm -hmm. 50 plus, what type of modifications do you need to make to the frame in order to accommodate that kind of big tire so volume? So that's basically in the chain stays uh, a little bit of more of, of a, a wide capability. And we will upgrade to the NV, NV Adventure fork, which has a bigger tire clearance for the front and for the back. We'll, you'll just have a bigger space for the, in the chain stays. For the you may not know this figure off the top of your head, but what does the chain stay length turn out to be for a 50-ish? 50-ish? No, I'll, I'll own you that. I'm not sure, I cannot recall like the numbers of the specific geometry, but we usually have, well, it depends on the customer. I'd rather have uh, short uh, chain stays. It makes a little bit more of a fast bike and reactive yeah. bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's been it, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because mm -hmm. I just got a demo bike that's got longer chain stays and- It's a little bit more sluggish. Yeah, I'm trying to internalize the personality of this new bike okay. and understand it. So it's been really interesting for me and now I'm keying in on that that length when I'm talking to other builders, just to try to understand what yeah. you're building around. And obviously, as our listener knows, when you go to the big tires, there has to be some compromises. You need to make the room somehow. You need to make the room somehow. And that's, that's, the first, well, that's one of the first questions we, are, we ask our clients. What are you going to use this bike for? But usually you don't have a right answer for that because I might be doing some really fast trails when I buy this bike, but then I discover bike packing or bike packing races across the world or just, I don't know, very long races or like very, I want to have something very comfortable with a bigger tire clearance. 
So it might change over the time, but usually focus always center on what the client needs on what you want and, what, and where do you want to take your bike to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you talk me through the beautiful paint job on the bike we saw downstairs? That's the most amazing thing of our bike. First, we're launching the Apuna, which is the old road bike. And second, we're launching our new paint scheme called Hungla, which means jungle. And it's basically inspired in the western part of the country. We have a very deep jungle, which is called the Chocoan Rainforest. And it's one of the most biodiverse, pla biodiverse places on earth. It's home for lots of species, fauna and flora. Many are endangered, many are endemic, many are unique in of that area. And there's just, there's just a couple of roads, or basically one road that leads into the jungle. It's a 120 kilometer gravel ride, very muddy. It depends on the time of the year you go, but usually it's very muddy because it rains a lot. It's the place with most precipitation on earth, basically. So it's rain, it rains every single day. Wow. So when you're uh, riding towards the jungle, you, you just see a huge, deep green sea. It just looks green and very steamy. You just see a big green shade. And then when you start paling towards it, you start to discover there's a lot of detail and there's a lot of immensity into that jungle. And then you start to discover a lot of different trees, a lot of different leaves, a lot of different indigenous groups around uh, walking. Maybe you don't see them, but if you look close enough, you see people that are observing you. There is somewhere hidden in the path or in the road, same as animals. You, if you stop by at a waterfall to fill your bottle up, you might not look carefully enough to see there's a small poisonous uh, frog besides you. So you have to be very careful and look very deep into the forest and enjoy what you're seeing to be able to discover what the forest has to offer you. So basically that's, uh, it's a homage to that Chocoan forest. And that's why when you look at the page, you see a green bike, white bike with green panels. But if you look deep and close enough, you start discovering a little bit of animals, flamingos here and there, turtles, humpback whales, which do their mating season in this part of the world, in the Pacific Ocean, the Colombian Pacific Ocean, in the Gulf of... So basically, that's where uh, our inspiration came from that for that paint job. It's a homage to that uh, Chocoan rainforest. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I think your description did do it some justice, but I'll put a photo up. Please online do. for people to see because as you said there's just a ton of intricate detail, detail in there exactly. little things you discover when you get closer and closer whereas as you said if you're you know 10 feet away uh -huh. you just see this white bike with green panels so it's incredibly well executed exactly that was the idea that was the exact idea and that was what we felt when we were pedaling towards this chocoan forest we were like wow this is a huge green uh, immersed sea you just see green you notice between one tree and another and as soon as you start going in you just you're like wow this leaf is very different from this one and there's this animal and this and that and there's a lot of detail as soon as you get into it so same when you look at the bike white bike with green panels and then when you look in when you dive in there's a lot of detail behind it and that's one of our one of the best things at scarab cycles that we focus a lot on the painting on every detail everything we do in scarab cycles is done in-house so painting is done in-house, the welding, all of the parts, everything's done in-house. So we have enough time to, to dedicate to every detail of the painting. Uh, so that's one of our crazy ones. We have some, of course, some more uh, sober ones with basic colors, nice finishes, mats, glossies with uh, basic lettering from Scarab Cycles. But that's one of our crazy uh, details. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. I love crazy it. Crazy paint Yes. For the listeners who are getting excited about buying one of these bikes now, what does that process look like for a North American customer to work with you to get one of these bikes built? Perfect, Yo. So basically, we have uh, worldwide shipping. We have our shop and factory in El Retiro, Antioquia, but we have, of course, a shop as well in Miami from which our shipping facility for worldwide orders. So if you happen to live in San Francisco and you want to order a bike, it's just drop us an email. We have actually a 18 week lead time and that's where all the process and the magic starts with a high email quoting. And then we accommodate according to what you want, depending if you want a full bike or a frame set starts at 2,800 and full builds start at $4,000. So depends on what you want. You can first select your model and then we start to Talk a little bit about what you need. What are you going to ride? If you're living in San Francisco, what kind of gravel riding are you going to do? Trails or you're going to do just uh, hard pack gravel or bike packing or long trips or just aggressive racing. The first four to five weeks to decide a little bit about, about the geometry. We present to you the geometry and we both decide what's best for you. Then comes the fun part or what I call the fun part because it's the paint part. So you decide one of our paint shims, season paint shims. For example, it can be a Hungla can be a Chiva, which is an, another of, the, of our crazy paint schemes, or one of our stock normal paint schemes. You just think a little bit about the color palette. We'll send you some samples, some pictures of samples. Then you decide the colors, and then the process starts all in-house for the fabrication. In week 16, we get your bike ready. We ship it to Miami, and then from there, it ships to San Francisco. And with the customer, if they've ordered a full bike, will it get built up in Miami and then disassembled? It will be built up in Miami, and, yeah. and assembled in Miami, and then shipped, ready to ride to San Francisco. Yep, it's just out of the box, just put the front wheel, put the handlebars and just rock and roll. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. as you know, I've had the pleasure of seeing one up close in San Francisco, one of our local riders, Patricia. Ah, yes, Patricia. She has a very amazing bike, this white with pink, uh, pinkish or yes, uh, bike. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very stunning. So if you want to say hello, she's a listener, so you might. Patricia, <laughs> we're glad to have you there in San Francisco. We're very happy that you're shredding our bike the proper way. So we're good to, to know that we have uh, our happy cyclists, happy scarf cyclists in San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Nicholas, thank you so much for the overview. Congratulations on this bike here at the Envy Builder Roundup. It looks phenomenal and can't wait to see more of them out there on the trails. Great. Thanks for the invite to the Gravel Ride podcast. Keep, stay tuned for, the, for more upcoming podcasts about this show because it's been pretty amazing what they've got here. No doubt. And uh, we're more than happy to help. Uh, and if anyone needs uh, something about Scarf Cycles, we're more than happy to attend your inquiries. Okay. Awesome. Great. Thanks again. Okay, man. Thanks. That was amazing to get to know Nicholas a little bit and a little bit more of the story behind Scarab Cycles. I remember getting introduced to riding in Colombia back in episode 75, when Matt Cady was talking about some of the bikepacking routes that he had developed in that beautiful country. And he just relayed so many great stories about the off-road terrain, the mountains, and everything else about the Colombian experience. So to get to sit down with Nicholas here in the United States when he was over for the Envy Builder Roundup was a huge pleasure. Definitely, definitely, definitely go out and seek some pictures of what Scarab Cycles does with their bicycles. The paint jobs are exceptional the quality of work, just a lot of dedicated craftsmanship under the hood there. Huge thanks to Envy for continuing to support the podcast. It's been a pleasure interviewing all these builders and seeing the Envy components highlighted across all these bicycles. If you are interested in supporting the show, 
Sharing it with a friend is very much appreciated. Ratings and reviews are hugely helpful in the podcast game. And obviously visiting buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride is a direct way to financially support what I'm doing here at the podcast. If you want to get in touch, please hit me up over at the ridership. If you're not already a member to this free global cycling community, just visit www.theridership.com for your free invitation. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.